0: Vegas Video Network Studios, just steps from the Las Vegas Strip, it's Top of the Food Chain. And now your host, he's one part mohawk, two parts attitude, and a touch of what the f***, is Al Mancini. Thank you. Again, that always feels so good. Welcome to Top of the Food Chain on the Vegas Video Network. I'm your host, Al Mancini. You know, looking at all this prime beef sitting here in front of me, it kind of reminds me, I am like one of these cows out there being raised for slaughter. I survived during my early days on a diet of quite a bit of grass, which led to a lot of flavor. But now I'm just kind of being fattened up for slaughter. <laughs> Those days are behind me, and um, just putting on the pounds for your entertainment. Anyway, welcome to Top of the Food Chain. We've got um, Stephen Hopcraft from STK Steakhouse here today chatting about beef. So if you're online live right now at this new special one time only early edition, um, please get in the chat room and have your questions ready for Stephen. In the meantime, I want to thank one more time, Bread and Butter, for sponsoring the show. This is um, for those of you who thought there was no such thing as a local neighborhood bakery here in Las Vegas. Thank God Chris Herring came to the rescue, man with a history of working in Thomas Keller's Bakery at Bouchon, now out in the suburbs, making up some of the finest pastries, some great macaroons he brought down here last week that were amazing. Did you finish those, Jacob? Uh, I wasn't here last week. Oh, that's right. Scott must have finished them. Um, But yeah, great stuff down there, and also a great place to go for lunch. So that's over on Eastern Avenue. Bread and butter, thank you guys one more time for being our sponsor. Before we get started today, um, a lot going on in the local restaurant world. pricing and extravagance, um, really coming up a few times recently. Um, it's you, know, I always, you always wonder how the economy is doing. You can kind of see it by whether restaurants are gearing up to do more extra, the high end, the super high end restaurants especially, doing more extravagant menus or, or kind of gearing down doing things less extravagant. And a few weeks ago, we learned that our friends at Guy Savoy, um are actually redoing their menus. They're replacing the old nine-course prestige menu with a new 13-course inspiration and innovation menu. Um, and I haven't seen it, but if you go to John Curtis's website, which I think we have to pull up here over at Eating LV, John was there and he checked it out. And he's got pictures of a lot of the dishes. I'm going to be trying it in a couple weeks when Mr. Savoy himself is in town. I, I wait till the big guy's around before I dine there. <laughs> no, any meal there is always going to be great, of course. but. Here's the thing, their their prestige is now innovation and inspiration, or vice versa. Uh, That was going from a highest price of $298 up to $348. They've also replaced their elegance menu with a slightly pricier and more extravagant um, signatures menu. So over at Guy, trust me, you always get your money's worth there, and you can always order um, a la carte. But that being said, their their degustation menus, their, their tasting menus, seem to be getting more extravagant. Seems to say something about the economy. Then today I get an email that basically says that Shabu, um, adjacent to Bar Massa in in Aria, is going out of business. Now for those of you who do not know Shabu, when this opened, this was the most expensive restaurant in Las Vegas. It was a minimum of $500 a person without drinks, $500 tasting menu, to get into the room. They eventually took it down to a minimum of, of 300. That was still the highest minimum menu of any place here in Las Vegas. Um, most extravagant room. Well, now we're here today April 28th, Shabu will be closing. Um, it will be replaced Takayama is still owning the space. Um, he's going to he's going to bring in a teppanyaki place called Tetsu. Those of you who aren't familiar with teppanyaki, that is that your Benihana type stuff. Obviously with Yama behind it, it is going to be a lot more extravagant than Benihana, I can assure you. But um, reasonable prices, that's what was in the press release that came out today. So on one hand, we've got ghee getting a bit more extravagant. On the other hand, we've got probably the most extravagant tasting menu, entry level tasting menu, I should say, in town, closing its doors. So things really up in the air. I don't know what it says, but I thought I'd share it with you. Um, if you've got an opinion on what it says, get in the chat room and let me know what you think. That said, we're about to start talking beef and steak with my friend Stephen Hopcraft in just a second. You
1: know, one of the things I like best about the Vegas Video Network are the people. There are no divas here. Everyone is exactly the same off camera as they are on. Hey guys, what's uh, Cocktail of the Week this week? You know what? I'll let you know what it is when it's time for you to know what it is. Why don't you get off the stage and get back in your production hole? Oh, my God. You know what? And tell Cheap ass Whitney to get us some Decent Brand Liquor. This hobo off-wrap crap ain't cutting it. God, idiots.
0: Totally. And welcome back to Top of the Food Chain on the Vegas Video Network. I'm your host, Al Mancini. Hopefully, you are watching us live. I know we're a little early today. I've got to go do some Hollywood movie star thing. Trust me, not as glamorous as it seems. Um, Got to do that during my 7 o'clock spot. So thankfully, we're here today. If you're watching us live, jump into the chat room. Live chat going on right now. Um, If you have a question for a future show, email it to us. That's food at VegasVideoNetwork.com. You want to leave a voice message, you just go right over there to the right-hand side of your screen, and you click the button, and you record, and we will play your voice message. Like I said, I always like it when you leave dirty messages, and no one has yet. I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to get the free phone sex out of this gig, but um, not working. I just have to deal with the free booze and the free food that comes with the show. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and of course, you can follow everything that I've got going on at almancini.net. Watch, follow me on Twitter, Twitter at almancinivegas. Right now, joining me in the studio, Stephen Hopcraft of STK. How are you? How are you, brother? Really good to see. you. STK Steakhouse in the Cosmopolitan, of course. Yes. Great to have you. People, your face may look familiar to people.
1: Yeah, uh, I've I've been spotted on cops a couple of times. So <laughs> if you're uh, yeah, if you're a TV advocate, I'm sure you've seen me. Yeah. Um, somewhere in the Most Wanted
0: or. <laughs> Also, um, Steven, a contestant on Top Chef? Sure, Bravo's Top Chef. I was there season 7 in D.C. And then you were also on Chef vs. City. Chef vs. now.
1: that's my favorite show on the Food Network. Uh, I represented Las Vegas.
0: And we won. You won.
1: Yeah, we beat we beat the guys.
0: Yeah, so. you were driving all over this town. You, were, you I, were. I always
1: had my driver drive. Anybody that's driven with me knows <laughs> that that was a very wise idea.
0: What were you doing, man? I mean, I remember you had to eat like hundred items on a buffet line,
1: and that. We did that show. At, the Bela- at the Bellagio buffet, and actually, uh, uh, me and Santana Salas, who was my pastry chef at Sea Blue at the time, uh, we went and did this, and we came out of the gates killing it. We had to carve this you know, elaborate, like, cocktail luge. And I was sitting there, I was like, anything to do with booze, I'm killing yeah. it, right? So I had that, we had that nailed. We gained some time. We had to get some mittens, apples. You had yeah, the carve yeah, it yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, it was in the ice house. Uh, we, we do these apples, and we're killing these guys. We're like a half hour ahead of them. And it gets to this 100-bite buffet. So her and I start going through. I'm not a big guy, and I'm not a huge <laughs> eater, I mean, believe it or not. Uh, we start going through, we get about halfway through this buffet, and then you have Aaron Sanchez. And and Chris come in, Chris Casentino, and these guys are both like about six feet tall, big guys. They're eating this buffet like it's a bowl of popcorn. By the time we get halfway through it, we could barely stand up. Uh, uh, so it was ridiculous. We lost a little time, but we did come back. You again.
0: still ended up winning, man. And now, of course, you're at STK Steakhouse. And, you know, I like to tell people, I'm not a big steakhouse guy. I've told you that before. I know this. I'm um, not a big red meat eater. But, um, you know, there are four or five steakhouses that I like for specific reasons here in town. And STK is really the sexy steakhouse here in town. I appreciate that. I mean, that. the food is great, of course. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be eating there. I mean, I'm not getting no laid. Doubt. My, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, my, my wife would, you know, not be sending that's, me that's there the if I couldn't. Right, yeah, that sense. I'm trying to get, right. <laughs> um, but, you know, that being said, I mean, I'm getting laid. But
1: not from anybody I'm
0: finding in <an> STK. <laughs> that's understood, my understood. point. <laughs> you know? And um, that's, yeah, but it is like where all the hotties come out. You cater to the list ladies there and the rich gentlemen who want to impress them and bed them.
1: Right? That, that's basically our MO. And and it's a little more than that. I think that we do that because what that atmosphere in our mind breeds is a good time. It's right. fun. You got hot ladies dancing, shaking it. You got guys who are in there to spend money. You got people who are in there to have a great time, bar none, do whatever it takes to, to, to have fun. We got a DJ that's kicking out like Great music, in my opinion. Of course, a lot of it stems from the '80s, yeah. where I came from, you know. Um, but it's all that goes to br- to breed a great time. And we try and introduce awesome service, impeccable service, and impeccable
0: food. Service is also great. i got to um, send a shout-out, Jolene. Our good friend Jolene Menina is one Jolene's of your waitresses amazing, over there. Yes, amazing server. So she's done the show a few times. So, yeah, she, you can, if you're lucky people, you can go over there and Jolene will be serving you. Yes. And maybe doing a shot with you. Yeah, definitely. So, like, I've never actually and done I'll a I'll shot be, with Jolene <laughs> <laughs> while she was working, but I've done shots with you while you were working. That is oh, a party on. place, I, man. I always drink <laughs> water. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, but so I want to talk about beef. You and I i have spoken a little bit about steaks and beef. And, you know, we've done another video. Sorry I didn't bring you any porn stars this time. But the, you last, know, <laughs> the last time we did a video. I, I thought I was misreading my email. I was like, <laughs> well, where's the girl? Well, see, the thing is, I want you to spend more time giving out information and less okay. time hitting on Jenna Hayes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jenna. Yes, okay. Um, but yeah, I want to talk about beef and steaks because, you know, everybody, the steak, it's the all-American food. I mean, it, everybody has had steaks their whole li- life. life. But still, you go into a steakhouse, and a lot of what you read on the menu can be a little intimidating.
1: Agreed. I think, I think that getting back to steak, I mean, there's the nostalgia that's around it. Like, you know, if you're doing good, you eat high on the, you know, you, know, you eat the beef. You know, in my opinion, there's steak dinner is kind of like winner, winner. Not chicken dinner, but steak dinner. You know what I mean? I mean, that's kind of what people come out for. And uh, guaranteed, 98% of the people who come to Vegas... They're going to spend one of their nights in one of our many steakhouses.
0: Yeah. I have been told by somebody, and I'm, I'm now I've been corrected. Somebody says this isn't true. But I've been told, and you can understand why I believe it, that there was some kind of gaming regulation that you had to have a steakhouse in every casino. And I've, I've, somebody's corrected me and said that's not true. But it seems that way. Because you won't well, find a place without one.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, how can I say this? It would be kind of like uh, opening up a whorehouse and not having a hot block. You know what I mean? <laughs> what, what are you going to do? It, you know like it's an amenity to the guest to some point which would would be why you would think that it would be rule that you have to have it with right. the gaming. But I think that you know it's the thing that people want. And you know like America is we give people what they want right? And That's the American way.
0: Absolutely. That's the Vegas way. That's the Vegas way, baby. <laughs> and you have plenty of hot blondes in your place <laughs> as well. So, um, Just saying. Yeah. Um, but Americans have really started to understand beef, and they're trying to understand it. You know, Oscar Goodman famously said to uh, my friend and colleague, Max Jacobson, that people don't care where the beef comes from. Like, they're not worried about the farm and the breeding to hear process. i surprised from,
1: from somebody who I respect and like a lot. Yeah. I, I mean, like the guy. He I didn't... Mean, he did alright. I mean, I'm not I'm not political. I've just got to party with him a couple of times. It,
0: he's a fun I guy. I can't believe That's, he said that. that. I can't believe it. Max quoted him as saying that. And, you know, I know in the old Vegas days, that was true. I mean, nobody cared where the cow was raised, what it ate. Um, you know, they cared maybe about grading, which we'll get into, But and they knew what their favorite cut was. But today, we know a lot more, and, and your, your guests, your... your Patrons really they, they understand how it's aged and all these things, right?
1: And and I credit that to people like yourself who get out there and dig down deep and try and find out what's behind all these terms and all these you know flash words that people get. And you know the Food Network and and you know Bravo, even all these all these media outlets that focus in on food starts to get people's wheels turning about. Well, what a, what am I getting? You know, if that's the best, what, what do I have? And, and, and then they start to be able to ask some intelligent questions to find out what's on their plate.
0: Can we start, we're t- I'm going to talk about grading first, okay? And we'll go through what the USDA grades are. We'll also talk about Japanese grades, which are considerably higher. But when a steak is graded, and people out there, you, you see it in your supermarket and on menus, choice, prime, you know, select, I believe. Um, yeah, here we go. Prime is the highest, choice, second highest, select, those are the ones people brag about. Once you get down to standard and commercial, they just don't tell you what you're having. And yeah. if it's military, no, <laughs> if utility, it's military, I <laughs> I said military then you're my eyes are kind. <laughs> um, utility cutter or canner, I mean, <laughs> you'd see they're going into dog food yeah, or you're, potted you're, meat products. You probably or don't something. have a lot of
1: choice in what's on your plate.
0: Yeah, um, but that being said, when people are coming up with that grade, most of it revolves around the marbling and the age of the cow, right? Okay. As far as
1: I understand it, and, and there is a lot of different things that go into it. It's the color of the beef. It's the marbling. And I don't think so much that they consider the age of the cow. Okay. Because that's where you can get into a prime grade with a steer that's a lot older, so the marbling is naturally there. But it becomes a bigger cut, like, say, uh, the ribeye. If you have, like, a really large eye on the ribeye, it tends to get, Flatter, right? Right. So if you're gonna have 20 ounces and you have this big ass, this big, this big piece, you wanna slice it. But you're gonna have a skinny piece, right? And and, and so that's where I think the USDA grading system gets a little sketchy. Okay. And I'm not the hugest fan to to put all your marbles in on just that. You know, it's like otherwise, like UPS and you know other places wouldn't be in business
0: if the government could, you
1: know, deliver (laughs) out of the mail.
0: (laughs) But but marbling, at the end of the day, marbling is an extraordinarily important thing. And a lot of people don't understand this. Marbling is the little lines of fat that run through meat. Sure. And, but it it should be the tiny flecks of fat. And we want a lot of them. They give you the moisture, the juiciness, the butteriness, that factor. That's marbling. You know, I grew up, of course, eating supermarket steaks and you thought a lot of fat. Who wants that? You know, I mean, you right. cut you off cut the gristle at the you, end,
1: or you chew on it. You yeah. have that one member of your family that's like, "Oh, yeah, I'll take the gristle." Yeah. Right.
0: But so you know, so now you know what people understand, and I want to show you because all three of these up at the top here that we're looking at, these are the two. We've got this ba- this baby over here, and this, and those are both choice, correct? Those are both choice grade, okay. and they're
1: both certified Angus beef, which goes back to the fact about what you were saying earlier has a lot to do with the cow. Right. Or, the, or the steer, which it comes
0: from. So what you, under, what you see when you look at these, these do not look fattier than the one on the bottom there. The one on the bottom has these huge lines of fat running through it. That's not considered good marble. I mean, it's not bad, per se, but that's not what you're looking no, for. No. Yeah, these large parts of, of the fat, yeah, are not, not that great. Right. But it's the little ones, and you want as much of that little marbling as possible that you can get. Fat is flavor, my man. Right, fat is the flavor, and you want you know as much of those little flecks of fat as possible. Now, what we have next to it is the, the king, uh, the holy cow <laughs> of of beef, and that is your Wagyu. Mm-hmm. Now, th- th- let's talk about it. People are familiar with the word Kobe, Wagyu. Do you want to give the brief explanation? All right, uh, I think where people get a little
1: misled, the the name Kobe is a region in Japan. It's like calling something champagne. Or like saying, can I have a Band-Aid, but it's really a plastic strip? Right. You know what I mean? Like, there can only be one place that Wagyu comes from.
0: That Kobe comes from. I'm
1: sorry, Kobe comes from, right? And it's the region
0: in Japan. And the type of cow that they made famous is the Wagyu cow. Is the Wagyu,
1: and that's where the Wagyu comes in.
0: Right. So, and now for years, Japan never exported their Kobe beef, and but they did get a couple of them, got into the hands of some Australians, got into the hands of some Americans, That's where we come up with what used to be called Australian Kobe or American Kobe, which people like myself and you railed against. You said you can't have Australian Kobe, and so now we call it Australian Wagyu or American Wagyu.
1: Yes, Uh, yeah, American Kobe is just, yeah, it's It's like 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 American American champagne, champagne, right? Yeah, it's 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 sparkling wine. It's sparkling
0: wine, yeah. Um, Now, in Australia, it has to be 100% Wagyu cow in order to be called Wagyu.
1: Which is why I'm so very, very partial to the Australian. As
0: opposed to the American American, fifty one percent. It's fifty one percent,
1: and generally they they breed it with the black Angus.
0: Right. Um, so okay, so you're getting a much pure cow there, um, but they are the same cows out of Australia. You're getting the exact same heritage of cattle that you would have gotten out of Japan. You can't get Japanese Kobe anymore.
1: Unfortunately, due to the horrific tragedy that they, you know, that that they endured. Um, yeah, it's. You can't get it out. I mean, I know they had
0: foot and mouth disease outbreak a few years ago. Sure, sure. And
1: and then you know through the earthquake and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's been been tragic. Been hard to get. I've heard word that it's coming back at the end of this year, but it all has to do with uh, you know uh, the food and drug if if they're going to let it in. Right
0: now, to to show people just the difference in the marbling here. These are the best grades you're going to get in America. These, no, excuse me, these two are the best that you'll find in America. And then you just look at how much more marbling you're finding in this Japanese, Right. excuse me, in this Wagyu. These
1: are choice. You can go up to prime, which is a better grade in America. But again, I think what's so remarkable about this cut is it's the filet. And from what we all know about a filet, it's a muscle that doesn't get worked. And that's why it's so terribly tender. So that's why... It's like fork tender. This muscle just kind of sits up on the back of the cow and does or the steer and doesn't get worked. Um, So therefore, you're not going to expect to find much fat marbling inside of it. Right. Um, But what's so terribly remarkable about this over
0: here is you you do see like mad yeah crazy crazy fat in there fat even in the flay. And to to put it into a perspective, they have a 12 point system in Japan. What, What you hear A5 Kobe coming out of Japan. That, on the marbling scale, not to get too much math for you people, sorry, but on the marbling scale, that's between an 8 and a 12 on their 12-point system for the best that you get right. there. Our best, the highest our scale goes, which is um, prime, right? Prime, prime, prime yes. right. Our prime would only be a 5 on their scale. When you're getting their best, you're getting between an 8 and a 12, usually a 10. This choice that you have up here, this would be a 2 on their scale, yeah. of a scale of 1 to 12. So. Right. You know, so we're looking at a two, you know, well, again, this isn't a Japanese one, but if this were a Japanese one, it would have had to be been at least an eight, probably closer to a ten.
1: I'd like to, like, talk on that for, like, one second. Because when you kind of say, like, what we're used to eating as far as, like, a two, let's say, choice right. filet, um, sometimes people say, give me the best steak, and it's the Wagyu, and it has this marble. It's, it, I wouldn't say an acquired taste, but you have to realize what you're getting into. This is going to be a much richer, it's like, I always try and tell a guest that like, well, it's like, you like vanilla ice cream? It's really good and it's good and you love it. Wagyu is vanilla ice cream with a ton of hot fudge on it. Right. It's so much richer. It's so much more of, so you could eat an eight ounce piece as opposed to a 12 ounce eight piece ounces, of American. Eight, huge, eight ounces right?
0: of A5 is huge. I could. I've had people bring me you know, four ounces as part of a tasting menu and haven't been able to come close to finishing it. Right. Personally, I do not like Wagyu. I mean, a, it's a it's a matter of taste. And we'll talk about some other things today that are matters of taste. Sure, sure. When people order Wagyu and they don't know what they're getting, what I usually hear That's and what where I, I was heard. Going. That's where I was going with it. What I heard from Scott, our producer who's not here, after having some Wagyu, he said, I've had better steaks at Outback. Yeah, if you're not into this <laughs> super fatty, rich, fill-you-up crazy. Again. And, you know, you can have a
1: great beer in front of me, like two great beers, I'll be like, ah, give me a bud. Right. You know? <laughs> you know, it's like, it's not better or worse. It kind of depends on what you enjoy, yeah. right? Absolutely. It's not the money you spend. It's not who you're going to impress. It's not all the other. It's, so that's what we're trying to do, is to, f- to learn, to educate people on the language that they can order something that they're going to enjoy. Right.
0: And and if you are, what's the smallest piece of wagyu that you'll sell? You have what's your minimum ounce? Uh,
1: we do eight ounces.
0: Uh, that really. There are places you can buy it by the ounce, as small there as are. two or four ounces. And I suggest that I recommend to people maybe okay, sorry, not to send people out. No, 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 no,
1: no, and I, I, I agree. I'm just
0: saying like and, and that's an
1: awesome way to go. But you know SDK. We are like, mm-hmm. we're pumping over there. I can't I can't have
0: somebody start weighing right. off chunks. But, but before somebody gets an eight-ounce wagyu at your place. I would say that they should maybe go to another steakhouse where they can get a full steak that they know they're going to like, and a little two-ounce or four-ounce sliver of sure. wagyu and try it. You know? Yeah, I, I agree, hundred percent. If that's possible, if you can find a place that does it, off the top of my head, I think R.M. may do it. I don't know. There, there's a couple cool unbelievably. but yeah, 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 there are
1: craft um, uh, and strip steak. Yeah. A couple of my favorite steakhouses in town. Right. Um, there, there's some great places. I have a lot of steep competition. Right.
0: When, when <laughs> Japanese steakhouses, I mean, Japanese Wagyu, Japanese Kobe was available, it's gone for about 30 bucks an ounce, 25 to 30 in most mm-hmm. places that I know. Yeah, A5, the real deal. Yeah, the real sure, A5, sure. which is the highest grade mm-hmm. under the Japanese grading and, system. And that goes towards color
1: and the marbling.
0: Right. The marbling has to be between an 8 and a 12, but they also judge the color. And there are two other factors, actually, that go into the 5, that give it that 5 number. The A is the yield actually, how much you're getting off of the cow. So sure, that has sure. more to do with the chef than what he's, and the butcher yeah, yeah. than and it does to the person. Something who's, that
1: matters a lot.
0: Right, but not to the person who's eating it, really, with the of yield loss. Um, so, again, a lot of facts and figures, but if you are going to try Wagyu, expect that it'll be different. If you're ever lucky enough to eat in Japan, or if they bring it back here to America, the coolest ass thing that you can ever do, and you want to impress your friends, if you order real Kobe, Ask the chef or your waiter to see the birth certificate. It is cool. The cow, and I've, I've surprised waiters. I surprised the waiter at of Voix. He didn't know it existed before I asked him about it. And the, he, they went to the kitchen, and the kitchen said, oh, yeah, we have it. And they pulled it out. They love these cows so much that they give them each a birth certificate that has the parents' and grandparents' names. Mm-hmm. And it has a nose print from the cow from the on cow. it. And it is so cool. Um, what's amazing about that is you have a family
1: that basically, they survive off this this animal. I mean, they feed it. It's like a loving part of their family, and they bring it up to a point to where it goes to slaughter. And then the money that comes back from that, they put back into another, another steer to grow up to do the same thing.
0: I want to talk a bit about aging, man. We went way longer on that than I thought, and I'm yeah, running wag-do. out of time. Yeah, <laughs> um, it is.
1: It is it, a it, subject it, that people really want to grasp, right. you know? And, and there's so much to learn on it. We could talk another hour yeah. and still have another hour.
0: Well, I don't know how quick Jake, now I have to get over this holiday <laughs> thing today, unfortunately. Dry-aged and wet-aged beef. Aging, in general, used to be done all dry-aged, right? Traditionally, all dry-aged. And all you mean is that's when you walk into the, the place, you walk and you see the beef the hanging, big, hanging there like, in the restaurant. Like Rocky,
1: sitting there yeah. pounding on them, yeah.
0: Right, and it's hanging there, pressure-controlled, temperature-controlled. Aging any type of beef is going to make it more tender. Of course. The enzymes tear down the muscle, or the sinew, right?
1: Yeah, what happens is, you know, okay, when we start to go into the science, I dumb it down from my own head, and that's all I can regurgitate. But basically, there's these enzymes that wake up at about 14 to 18 days, and that's when they start really getting into that beef. It gets a little bit of this discoloration on the outside, which is a bit of rot, And, and what it does is, the way i think of it is it it reduces like if you reduce a sauce you can you uh, you magnify the flavor
0: well that's when you're dry aging right because that's what i'm talking the enzymes about. start getting to work they they, they tear it and down and you magnify and the flavor and all, and it starts evaporating in a way so that the beef shrinks shrinks but all the flavor stays in this smaller piece of beef. Right. So it's very expensive. You start with 16 ounces, you end up with 12 ounces. You got to charge people more for that. Oh, I've gotten
1: in fights with purveyors who are like, you know, mm-hmm. I put this stuff in the, in the room for you. I got it all dry aged and ready to go, and now you're switching. I'm like, wow, well, the cut's not right. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you can imagine how, what, a, what a relationship right. that is to get into a 28 day. That's well, yeah. a month of your money sitting on so, the shelf. So
0: that's dry aging. It gets smaller the longer it's in there. The flavor gets more intense. And, of course, it gets more tender. Now, it's pricey because you're losing volume. Mm-hmm. So then they invented wet aging. In a cryovac. And, yeah, so basically, it just means you, you stick it in plastic, right? I that's mean, it's, it. That's it. But then, again,
1: you, you get these enzymes going. And it does go to tenderize the beef.
0: It tenderizes, but it doesn't intensify the flavor. No. And you don't lose weight. Right of beef weight. So you know? <laughs> there's the genius right yeah. there. <laughs> so the genius. And most Americans, a lot of Americans, don't enjoy that dry-aged flavor. Much like we said about Wagyu, you pay more Again, for it. Yeah. It's not for everyone. I love it. I but do. And it, I wouldn't
1: say acquired, I mean, it's hard for me to put it as an acquired taste because it's to me it's like so good, how could you not love it? It brings out a nuttiness. It brings out like other flavors that you're just not going to get in like a, in just a wet-aged
0: And a typical beef is usually 21 to 28 days is the norm. I
1: I think, yeah, I think it's got to go 28 days. In my opinion, it's got to go the 28. And that's when it...
0: Now, you know our friends over at Carnivino do it a minimum of eight weeks on every dry-aged steak, which is crazy. And then they do some that they do eight months. I had one that was 15 months. Called the Reserva. That's just insane. My my,
1: my friend Doug Bell over at uh, Strip Steak, he did uh, a filet. I, I think it was no, it was a New York that was hundred and twenty-one day dry aged. And like I, you know, we were all just like, wow, really, wow, really, what? And this thing was just like. It, that's why I remembered it as a filet because it just turns into this little round curl, but just an amazing flavor. It wasn't over aged, which I thought it would be. Just. It, too skanky.
0: If anybody goes to um, YouTube, and you can just um, run a search for Eating Las Vegas, uh, John Curtis, Al Mancini, and Carnivino, you will see us eating a 15-month dry age. I mean, imagine this cow was dead a year and three months before we <laughs> ate it. It had so much mold on it, yeah, and it was right. crazy. But that, that was nuts. Um, a couple more real quick topics. I know we're going to go a little over time. Um, grass-fed. I love grass-fed beef. Grass-fed,
1: I mean, again, as you get into these different categories, there's always going to be a point of, ac- of acquired taste. All beef is grass-fed up to a point. Usually right. it's nine months, just to kind of run it down. You got nine months on grass, and then they send them a- American beef, they send it to the feedlots, And that's when it's going to get the, the alfalfa, the corn, mostly the corn. And what they do is get them in on this, this feed to fatten them up and to acquire the marbling.
0: And to, to acquire that fattiness that Americans love in their beef. That Americans love, and it translates to juiciness and flavor. Also translates to cholesterol and heart attacks. <laughs> that corn, no, let's, let's be honest. That is why they 100%. tell Americans not to eat a lot of beef. Yeah. In Argentina, they do it differently. And actually in New Zealand, they never take them off the grass. They move them to the feedlots. Now, you need a lot of space to do this and a lot of time. And there's also, as I understand it, a special
1: type of grass that grows there that does not grow here. In Argentina and in in Australia or New Zealand. They're, they have a strain of grass that I believe that it grows bigger, it grows stronger, and it's able to replenish itself. So it's more sustainable.
0: You'd, but you need a lot of land, and this is why in the old days the cowboys would drive the cattle, because the cattle would eat all yeah. the grass oh, in one spot. It's not like we were shipping them in,
1: into like lots or anything no, like that at we Those times.
0: they were following the grass, because sure. the cattle will decimate a grass population, and you've got to keep them moving. That being said... Cows were meant to eat grass and lower cholesterol, less heart attacks. If you look at people in Argentina who eat beef every day, they do not have the health problems that Americans yeah, have. And so it's a different taste. It's not going to be as fatty. A lot of Americans don't like it. I say try it. You bring it in on special occasions, right? I
1: do, and I try and sell it. And you know, the education just isn't there. People aren't very willing. Like sometimes I'll have people come in and request it. And I, I believe Nine does a lot of grass fed. Um, and, and they I, do.
0: They don't do dry aging, where I fight with them about that. But what, but what Brian says of, to me is, ow, but we do a lot of grass fed, which nobody right, else does." Which you know so, you love. <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely. And and if it's the right grass fed, then it does get the marbling and it does said, get the flavor.
0: I said Brian. I meant Barry. Oh, <laughs> so, Barry. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Barry <laughs> is over there. Um, it, yeah, and grass fed is honestly, it's worth trying. Now, at least you understand what it's about. Interesting fact. I don't want to get too into politics. You know why we have so much corn fed beef in America? Be- because the Iowa caucus comes first. You have to promise corn subsidies. We've got more corn than we know what to do with in the United States of America, which is why we use corn syrup instead of cane sugar in our in our soft drinks, and which is why we shove corn down the throats of our cows instead of letting them eat something more natural. Yeah. I'm not saying anything <laughs> negative about the people in Iowa, but what we eat is directly dependent on what time of year they have their caucus. If they came 50th, no presidential candidate would be going for these corn <laughs> subsidies. No, maybe that would h- hurt the farmers. And I'm not saying whether it's good or bad. I'm simply saying it has a direct effect on what we eat.
1: The politics, you got down. I, I'm not so <laughs> sure about it all. I don't really pay attention. But I believe, I believe you're probably right about that. There's always, there's always some, some hitch. You know.
0: We, we love antibiotic and hormone-free. You have a lot of those. You call them uh, Never Never products. Yeah,
1: this is a CAB Never Never All Natural. And I like Here's to... This
0: one, right? Yeah, that's the middle guy.
1: I like to offer that. And you can see the, the uh, marbling on that steak actually looks a lot better than the CAB, just regular choice. Um, but I like to offer that because there's a couple of things that go into uh, antibiotics and hormones. Because the antibiotics go right through the animal. They go into the, the ground. They go into the, to the water table. And it, it's bad for the environment. It's really bad for the environment.
0: And, and they're breeding super bugs. They go into us, and we need more and more antibiotics it's to fight a common cold or whatever we're exactly. fighting with antibiotics. It's bad
1: on top of bad, and you know growth hormone just doesn't. Which, <laughs> just I mean, doesn't ring right. Yeah,
0: think about it. The hormones that they're putting into chicken breasts is uh, is why men are developing <laughs> big boobs <laughs> yeah. and girls are going through puberty earlier. I mean, it's yeah. a fact of life. You know that's. Um, and you know the thing about the antibiotics. There's. I, correct me if I'm wrong. But the reason you need them is because the conditions in certain slaughterhouses are so unsanitary. And so the cows would just all get diseases and die because they're crammed in there. And in order to keep them from it, that's why they shove the antibiotics. So if you're buying from a place that's able to raise their cattle antibiotic-free, it means they are most likely have much better conditions in their A lot better
1: conditions, uh, which is good for the animals. I mean, you know, I respect the animals that we get, that we consume. And I think that at some levels, it's not right that we don't have laws that protect them, but there really isn't, you know. And and that's why when there are true all-natural products that you can go from, I'm not saying organic because there's a lot more that goes into that. Right. Um, but all-natural, where you're not like hyping them up and and that sort of thing. I, I always like to go that.
0: Way. Uh, well, speaking of the conditions, and also, I wanted you to talk to people about how the best way to cook a steak is because. Most people don't have a grill that goes to the levels that yours, yours does. Sure, the infrared uh, broiler. But before that, you know, we talk, people always worry about the safety of meat. Like, it's interesting. You're not allowed, you're not supposed to eat a rare hamburger. And yet, I eat raw beef all the time. Is exactly. that because, as well, I understand it, the, the filth from the slaughterhouse is only on the outside. So if you get stuff from a filthy slaughterhouse, you throw it on, You know, you char the outside, you kill those germs, germs, and the stuff on the inside never got in there. It's good. But on a hamburger, you grind everything into the middle, and all the germs are in the center. However, if you're
1: if you grind it yourself, which we do at SDK, we serve the uh, little uh, the little burgers, which are like uh, wagyu little burgers, but we grind all that ourselves.
0: Only from stuff that was already inside, already clean, already already
1: like the the middle of the muscle, right? Like something like this. I mean, we could honestly. Uh could eat that raw. We could we could go at it right now, Rob. Yeah. yeah, you know, yeah, it might want a little right. little char on no, it. I don't know. I could handle it. But, um. <laughs> um, but so that is that is exactly what it is. If if you mishandle the animal when you are uh, breaking it down and you know, the stomach content gets out, yeah, you're gonna have a e. coli. You're gonna have right. like some bad bad beasties on the outside of it. Yeah. And that's why you wanna cook it on the outside. Right.
0: So that's that that's the reason. I know a lot of people think it's ironic that I won't, you know, go to a barbecue and eat a, a rare hamburger at their barbecue, but I'll eat, you know, beef carpaccio, which is completely sure, sure. raw. But that comes from the inside. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Only. You don't
1: want to get Safeway meat and there, or, <laughs> you know, and go in there and start uh, a raw burger and start eating that. Yeah, that that could be dangerous.
0: Okay. Um, how about just the best way to sear? Can you first of all can you get the, the finest cuts in your supermarket? It's
1: really difficult. I believe, for the most part, that I've seen in the supermarkets that I shop out. Generally, they have a lot of select. Mm-hmm. And if you, uh, looking at our list, it starts okay. off with Prime, right. goes to Choice, and then there's Select. Mm-hmm. Not a bad cut of meat. I mean, there's good good parts about it. And there's No Roll. No Roll is something that you don't have here, which basically is something that they, the, the packing house elects not to have graded. Right. And you can have pretty much any one of the seven that you have up there. Right. Um, but... There are certain places. You can go to like a Whole Foods or like some, some grocery stores, mm-hmm. but you're going to pay. Right. You're going to pay a lot for it.
0: How about, how do you cook it at home? I mean, you, how hot does your grill get?
1: Well, we have, a, we have an infrared broiler, and that runs at about 800 degrees. Okay. And I think that that goes to my first hint about cooking meat. You want to start with something hot, whether it be your Weber, whether it be your gas grill out back, whether it be a saute pan in the kitchen. You want to make sure that the heat is already there. Because what happens to the, when this big, cold piece of meat hits that pan, it's going to suck all the heat out of it, mm-hmm. which is going to drop your temperature, and you're not going to get the caramelization on the outside. And, and as chefs, and you know my buddies are all friends of mine, they're all chefs, and, and we talk about the crust, mm-hmm. and you know the way to develop the, the perfect crust. And there's a couple of cuts of meat that lend itself better to this crust that I speak of. But that crust on the meat, with, like you like it, like blue or or very mid-rare on the inside, the combination of that crunchiness and that creaminess on the inside, to me, is what makes a steak. So you want to start with very hot cooking up. Let's just say we're using our Weber out back. We get our coals, We get everything super hot, put the lid on there for a while so we know that grill is like really hot. The first thing that I'm going to do is season it. And I like to season it just with salt and pepper. That's really all you need. Because I really enjoy the flavor of beef, and that's, at the end of the day, what I want to
0: enjoy. Yeah, I, I, like, I like that sometimes. Sometimes I go a little crazy, get a little wasabi powder, wasabi you know, maybe powder. a little, little mustard powder crazy, on the outside. If I'm going to get crazy, I go straight
1: for the Worcestershire.
0: Yeah, oh, I like I've good Worcestershire. I freaking love sure. that. Yeah, <laughs> a
1: little marinade on and, and and you do that. Try that with some balsamic, some olive oil. Some, yeah, like you said, some yeah. mustard powder, some Coleman's, so it's, something like that's yeah.
0: nice. So it's always the hottest that you can, and black peppercorns, of course. Of course, of course. But that's always the, gimme, h- right? the hottest you can get your implement.
1: I think so, and I, and I think that that develops that crust. Now, as you go to bigger pieces of meat, you're going to want to take that, that heat back a little bit, because you can't have it too high heat, and then it starts to, uh, it's not going to get to the inside at all. Right.
0: Well, cool, man. Thank you very much. Um, I know we went over. Thank you guys for sticking around. Hopefully you had so much information. I'd love to have you back. Talk Anytime. more about steaks, steakhouses, sure. porn stars, whatever. <laughs> Definitely go to my website, almancini.net. Go to the section called Dining Invasion under Videos, and you can see Stephen and I hanging out with Joanna Angel and Jenna Hayes. Good times. That was a great... Uh, you, you served us more steak and more... Expensive wine, <laughs> and the, if you do, if you guys do watch it, there's three parts down at the bottom because it's 10-minute segments. We ran mm-hmm. about 40 minutes that day, I think. Mm-hmm. You watch the first one, and then if you don't want to watch the whole 40 minutes, watch the last one and see how we all are after about two hours' worth of wine. <laughs> you keep getting closer and closer to Jenna Hayes. I don't remember that <laughs> it, it was hysterical. I don't I'm surprised your wife didn't divorce you after that one. <laughs> she she trusts me. Thank you, guys. So, Great to see you. Thank you for coming. Thanks for tuning in. We will be back. In the meantime, pick up a copy of my book, Eating Las Vegas, The 50 Essential Restaurants, and, of course, follow me online at almancini.net. We'll be back next week. Um, sorry Vic Vegas couldn't make it today, as I had promised, because we changed the time and he's busy at his job. But um, Stephen's a slacker and he was able to come and sure. it. <laughs> Thanks, brother. We'll see you guys next week. See you at STK.